I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you've wanted yet feared to do work that is weird, this is the show you just need to hear. We're talking dungeons. We're talking dragons. And whether you're a fan of Stranger Things, Community, or hell, just pure love of the game itself, Dungeons and Dragons has rolled a 20 and landed straight in our collective cultural hearts. As with most hobbies, if you can do it well enough, there's an outside chance you can make a living at it. And if you're Tim Woods, you can make one hell of a living at it. You see, Tim is a professional dungeon master. He creates custom campaigns for tech workers to battle cannibal zombie pirates after work. Or he'll create epic showdowns with dragons for after-school programs. Wherever it is, be it this world or the Forgotten Realms, Tim lives and breathes d and I'm Sam Balter, and this is Weird Work. Now let's listen to them speak About their jobs, which are quite unique Weird Work I don't know if you have seen Stranger Things, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. basically there's a lot of Dungeons and Dragons-ish things in the story. So Stranger Things has definitely made my life a little bit easier. Yes, Stranger Things has really <laughs> kind of kicked the D&D craze into high gear, I would say, into a fervor. <laughs> and from your opinion, just like personal opinion, do you love it or hate it? Like... Are you excited about all this new interest and resurgence? Or are you like, oh, these guys are fakes who just watch Stranger Things and now want to get into Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, no, no. When it comes to new people coming to the hobby, I am all about bringing new people in. I don't have any desire to see people's qualifications. I don't want to know whether (laughs) they really know what the Demogorgon is or not. I don't care. If they're excited to play and excited to use their imaginations, I love it. That is what it is all about. And the more people coming into the hobby, the better, as far as I'm concerned. And I think it's been doing a fantastic job doing it, frankly. I, I watch Stranger Things, and I definitely see a lot of my child there i see a lot of like the jokes of like you've been down there like 10 hours i'm like that's my mom right there yep yeah i i've heard that line before stranger things hit the nail on the head when it came to capturing just how weird it was to be a kid in the 80s how kind of ostracizing it was to be trying to play this game and like people aren't even sure what it is you're doing like are you wearing costumes it's that ambiguity and like just the lack of certainty like they're doing some Something and we think it's a game, but no one's really sure what it is. Even they can't describe it very well yet. And so I know they're they're terrible. 
they're terrible in the show at describing it to anybody, basically, which I think it sounds like that's one of the parts of the show that resonated with you a lot is like having this confusing thing to explain to people. Not just from the perspective of being a kid who, and sorry, being a 30 year old also who has never yet successfully explained Dungeons and Dragons to my parents <laughs> ever. That definitely resonated with me. And now as a teacher watching kids try to explain their Dungeons and Dragons campaigns to their parents and then biting my nails wondering like what are they going to communicate across are they going to say we're playing a game and Tim makes decisions sometimes or are they going to say today I got to like mess up a goblin's face and like peel his skin off and Tim let me do it and I'm like oh god this is not okay you're getting one view of what the game is but like it's from their perspective and gosh I I would have explained this a little bit differently so now you're a pro though now Mm -hmm. you've had years of experience Periods of mm-hmm. explaining what Dungeons and Dragons is. Absolutely. So let's let's start there. Pretend mm-hmm. that that somebody has never heard of it. They Absolutely. have zero context. How would you describe Dungeons and Dragons? Ultimately, D and D is a game where you sit around a table. Everyone takes on the role of these fantasy characters who are like wizards and elves, and they look at these sheets that give them kind of information about their character and like what you can add to certain dice rolls. There's dice rolls that determine whether you succeeded or failed at things that your characters are trying to do, and then revolving around that central mechanic is the fact that there's a game master who is sitting there telling the story and kind of presenting things like, okay, there's a whole way it's 10 feet wide you can't really see very well but then he'll look at the elf and say like you can see just fine right now and communicate different information to different characters who could experience things differently maybe and then just kind of telling them what they see what's around them and then the players in turn looking at each other and then responding by saying i go over and i investigate that skeleton or i walk down the hallway and i search it for traps and do whatever in theory they want to do and then the game master has to respond to their actions and describe them realistically based on those dice rolls. When you really break it down, it's a bunch of friends sitting around, having some pizza, drinking some beer, telling a story to each other collaboratively, and then just like any other game, laughing and telling some jokes and having a good time. How long does a typical D&D game last? A session is going to be about three hours long, and that's usually how long my games run. I know plenty of sessions that go on longer when people want to like do a marathon session of D&D and typically I definitely observe with kids but adults too people get a little antsy maybe after a three hour game and so that's how long mine go but an actual campaign of D&D that's made up of multiple sessions can easily go on for years and that's where you're telling the same story about the same set of characters and after each session you end with a cliffhanger and then pick up next week where our characters left off and those can go on easily for a year or more. What's the longest game you've ever been a part of? All right, so the truth is there are games, and I'm saying this because I do think that for the majority of players of the game of D&D, this is probably something that resonates, but the truth is the longest-running games I have are the ones that I started when I was a kid because me and my brother sat down. We would make these characters. We would start these stories. We never finished them, but we never officially said they were over, and even being you know grown adults with jobs and schedules and like whole families now and stuff, we're still sitting 
sitting there saying, no, nah, we'll, we'll get that game together. And we haven't played it in maybe a decade. But the truth is, we still consider those games open. And so I would say my longest running games I've started 15 years or more ago. Um, I have to say 99% of them fizzle out long before someone makes the decision to say, nope, I'm done here. We can wrap this up now, everybody, and conclude this story. So I want part of my service to be, you know, concluding campaigns. I don't just want them to fizzle out. So it is kind of interesting to observe that I will have to make decisions at some point, or at least offer choices to the players about when will we end these stories. Yes, in theory, they just keep going, and uh, you keep can keep piling more and more onto the story. The story never ends. <laughs> so, okay, like how many games are you kind of managing as a dungeon master a week? That's a tricky one. It has fluctuated, but this year I am happy to say that I am uh, now consistently running, if we include my after-school programs and kids' games, around eight games a week right now. Very often two in one day sometimes. I'll have like a kids' game during the afternoon and then an adult game in the evening, which I do enjoy because I consider the kids' and adult games very different and kind of jumping back and forth between the two definitely kind of keeps me on my toes, I would say. All right. All right. Which is more fun to 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 be the dungeon master for? Kids games or adults games? Very, very hard to say. If I'm being honest, my favorite, the, the most fun I get out of it is probably telling stories to the other groups, the other type of group, about the other one. So I'll go to the kids groups and I'll kind of be like, oh man, these guys are just all over the place. They're just goofing off, like pulling pranks. Like we just spent a whole round just pulling down pants on each other. Like this is, the story's going nowhere right now. And then I'll just kind of nudge them by saying, you know, the adults, uh, the adults figured this puzzle out in five minutes and they were past this part already and then the kids are just like oh no we're not letting them and so sometimes that'll happen whereas the adults i'll tell them what the kids did and very often they're actually having the same reaction where they're like oh no that's like way more fun we should do that thing instead and so it's very hard for me to say which is more fun because i think in many ways i get to see the adults as kids and the kids really taking on the role of adults and so it's it's a weird blurring ground. I say they're different, but I think what's fun about the differences is how much they highlight the similarities between the way that the two groups do play. So walk me through the prep work. Like, how do you prepare for a D&D session? I, I got to say, I always tell people that the prep work, even more so than sitting down and actually running the game, that is the part of the job that I would do in a heartbeat. Like, you put me on a desert island, you'd find me a month later, I'll have made a DD and d campaign and I've carved it into rock on the beach <laughs> or whatever. I'll have done something to, that involves prepping for a D&D campaign, which I'll never, you know, run. And so much of my childhood was kind full of these, you know, doodles in class and like, you know, notebooks and stuff that were essentially me planning out stories and D&D campaigns that at some point in grade school or high school, I actually like, you know, got kind of depressed where I'm like, you know, I plan out all these games, but I never run these games. And like, what's, hmm. what's the point of all of it? And getting really like demotivated by it. And ultimately, I love prepping for the games. The prepping is the fun part for me because 
because it's where I kind of get to um, take some time at a nice even pace getting ideas ready for the players as opposed to trying to come up with something on the spot that ultimately the speed of the idea is going to be much more important than whether the idea is really good or not. But when I have lots of time to prep, I can kind of sit down, you know, take a shower, think about the adventure I'm going to be running the next day, and then also have that eureka moment where I'm like, of course, it, it will be a firefight. Like, I just <laughs> suddenly see what the next game is going to look like, and then I can kind of grab the notebook, start scribbling ideas down, and uh, actually plotting everything out, you know, writing down monster stats so I won't have to be referring to them during the game, that kind of thing. So what does your notebook look like? Let's let's look at that. Like, what what are your notes for a session? Is it like pages? Is it is it diagrams? Is it doodles? Like, what do you have on this notebook to prepare for a game? So I have to admit, the notebook that I use for notes in both in the middle of the game and where the prep work goes beforehand, it is cultivated and aesthetically very particularly chosen to look like a crazy wizard's notebook. It fulfills the archetype <laughs> that you would hope and that you're thinking of right now, in my mind, to a T. So it's this kind of old leather-bound tome-looking yep. book that I use. <laughs> and when you open it up, it is just a notebook with lines, but at this point it's halfway full now of insane-looking scribblings and diagrams and ramblings and stuff and weird little charts and little, like, uh, blurbs that don't make any sense that are taken completely out of context or just thinking, like, <laughs> the kobold is angry and it'll just be, like, that note I left for myself <laughs> for the next session or something like that. And ultimately, this notebook, I have very much uh, consciously tried to make it look like if somebody were to find this on the subway, they'd be like, this is an evil wizard or something like that. Like, they're, a wizard made this notebook and I better return it to them. Like, that's kind of what I'm hoping also. I've written my name and address and everything in the notebook. The frank answer is, if I lost that, I really should be on digital notes. I'm a very kind of Luddite, kind of analog <laughs> DM for better or worse still. Uh, but if I ever lost that notebook, I'd be in pretty big trouble and for, as far as my D&D notes go. So... With all the games that you're running mm -hmm. and you have this giant notebook full of information, like how much of it is recycled from kind of one group to another? Part of the factor that I put into this was um, that I would run the same adventure for multiple people with the idea that I can, you know, memorize one adventure, learn how to do it really well, and that's kind of the formula I followed. I have certain adventures that I run for a one-shot birthday party. I have one uh, set of adventures that I would run for, like, a very mature group that is looking for, like, a really dark-themed adventure or something like that. And so I have definitely recycled content from group to group, especially I would say my one-shot like birthday party option is pretty much hammered down to a fine science at this point. It's the same adventure I just run each time and I know I use this adventure because it goes from I say zero to dragon in the shortest amount of any time of any adventure <laughs> I've seen. And it, so I can't beat that. For If all we're going to get is this three hours, then I'm going to have a show up in a town and a dragon's going to show up real quick. And like 
like it's in a satisfying yeah. <laughs> way, not a totally like silly way. So that's the adventure that I recycle all the time for those groups. But I've also uh, like gotten caught by a student once, and then every excuse I'm using is just an excuse. The truth is, you totally got me right now. So I mean, <laughs> I try to avoid doing it, and I'll say part of the reason is I also um need to keep my group straight. If I run the same adventure for two different groups and they do very similar things, that's problematic for me because then I'll have trouble telling their two adventures apart. Usually two groups of players will do very different things. And so even if I run the same adventure, it twists off immediately into something that's very different and very distinct. But at the same time, you know, there's a certain amount of recycling for sure. (laughs) One of the things I'm curious about is like, what are the other situations that you charge money to be a dungeon master in? Absolutely. So I do professional dungeon master work through one-shot events like birthday parties, and that's definitely mostly how I got my start. Now what I'm doing is more regular weekly games for adults. Um, I'm happy to say I'm running a lot of games now, but potentially more out of the One World Trade Center building, and that's like really, really exciting to kind of go in and like get to be running these kind of more corporate-feeling games, and it's at these tech companies where like I'm sitting down and immediately people are passing by being like wait Dungeons and Dragons like what's what's going on in there and like just kind of getting more and more attention to my business and like more and more games kind of being started out of those offices and so adult games are a lot of what I'm doing right now and adult one shot games birthday parties stuff like that but also what I'm really what I've really been moving into is after school programs so how much do you charge to be a dungeon master So for one-shot games, I do tend to charge over $300, depending on what exactly the nature of the game is. For other one-shot games for, like, kids and stuff, I do tend to charge around the $300 area, and some of my adult games are still on some of my older pricing, and so they're getting some cheaper deals, uh, depending on, like, when I brought them in as customers. Part of, like, my goal as a freelancer was, it's not that I wanted to raise prices for my existing games, I want to bring people in on new price points. And I'm happy to say that the games that are still kind of on my older price points are actually the mm-hmm. ones that are bringing me the most business. So I kind of outright tell them, like, you're getting a good deal on me as a dungeon master right now, but I will not raise the price for you because you keep bringing, like, new publicity and new groups and the uh, and new attention my way. So uh, there are some groups that kind of have a more, I guess, kind of friendly relationship with me where they know that I could be charging them more, but they're also kind of like, I don't want to say watching my back, but actually really throwing a lot of help and support my way towards the building of this business. And in the past three years when I've really been growing, uh, that's been invaluable to me to have that kind of support and backup from uh, a lot of other like creative professionals who I might be running these. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Games for. What makes you so good mm-hmm. as a dungeon master? I mean, so I have to start by saying anyone can be a dungeon master. That is a very important thing that I always make sure the kids know. That is an important thing that I make sure the adults know because so many of my customers are (laughs) completely new to Dungeons & Dragons. I mean, dungeon mastering is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. My favorite description of dungeon mastering is somebody, uh, I believe it was uh, Jerry Holkins of Penny Arcade, said that dungeon mastering is like gathering all your friends and then saying like, listen, we could have dinner and just talk like normal people. We could play a board game. We could play video games and just be all equals having fun like normal people. Or you could all sit here and listen to me lecture a story at you and let you kind of interact, but I'm really in charge of all of you, and I promise you'll have more fun. That's like the ballsiest thing you can say to a group of gamer friends is, everybody listen to me, and I promise you'll have more fun. And that is why I think so many people get intimidated by dungeon mastering. It's not even always the rules. It's sometimes just that idea of taking on that very weird authority. There's no authority form quite like the dungeon master, except I would argue the role of the teacher in the classroom is the closest parallel to that, which is a really weird thing to put on your friends is we're going back to school all of a sudden. Everybody in the back quiet. Like, this is a very weird (laughs) dynamic to put you and your friends into. So... I always say anyone can be a dungeon master. What sets me apart is the fact that I will go to anyone and run a game for them. That is ultimately the only thing that makes me a professional is that I will run a game for people I don't know. And that is actually a pretty important thing because people online who might say, ah, professional dungeon master, like, what do you mean? I'll run a game for you guys. I challenge those people. I say, like, Uh, then go run a game for them because these are people who want a game. They're willing to pay money for it. I don't care if it's me or you. I want these people to have a game. And unless you're not being glib right now, then they want a game. They're serious about it. They want a stranger to come over their house and run a game for them. Will you provide that? And will you provide it in a way that they want? Are you actually like a friend? So... Lots of people in this hobby are perfectly delightful people who would be very fun to sit down and play (laughs) with, but would you want necessarily them to come into your house as a stranger to introduce this game to you, and would they necessarily want to go to a group of strangers and sit down and try to teach people that they don't even know D&D when the reality is most dungeon masters and players barely have time to schedule their own games with their friends. (laughs) So I say the only difference between me and your volunteer, local friendly volunteer dungeon master is that you can hire me even if you don't know me and I am more than happy to come in and run this game for you and 
I would say going further than that, my expertise is in teaching and bringing the game to new players. You know, you caught me three years ago, I would have said I'm a very creative person, I always have been, and that's what makes me (laughs) such a good dungeon master. Now I believe that less and less. I believe, yes, great, I'm a creative person, there are lots of creative people out there. What I'm kind of bringing is the experience now that I have running these games. In the past year, I have run well over probably 200 games of D&D, and it has been a learning experience. I am happy to say I've run so much D&D in the past three years that I know ten times as much about D&D than I knew three years ago, and most of that has very little to do with the rules. Most of that has to do with the intuition surrounding the game and just the experience of seeing what players do, what players want, and what players want to skip over, that kind of thing, yeah. I think you are selling yourself a little bit short on this. I mean, one thing, it's like, I noticed you got some good voices. <laughs> you got, you like, if you're rolling up to a game with a notebook <laughs> that's meant to look like an evil wizard notebook, if you're making crazy scribbles and paying attention to all those details, if you're, like, wearing costumes <laughs> and have all of this prepped out, like, I feel like there's a lot more than just, being willing to go to a stranger's house and be a dungeon master. It seems to me like you invest a lot of time in the details and making sure the whole thing is interesting to people. I mean, I definitely really appreciate that. I I like to say one of the things I'm definitely bringing to the table is my passion for this game. I think enthusiasm often gets underestimated when it comes to games like this and how important it is towards engaging people. So I'll definitely say I, I'm always, my passion is, you know, shooting out of every pore of my body at every second when I'm there at the <laughs> D&D table. I think it's very hard for me to turn it off, to be honest. And um, so, so <laughs> So yeah, I definitely like think that I'm bringing a certain amount of, uh, of that, but I'll tell everybody right now, the mo- the best dungeon master in the world is probably not dungeon mastering. What he's probably doing is whatever job he has, whatever family he's taking care of, that's what his commitment is right now. His or her commitment is right now is probably not the game of Dungeons and Dragons. And that is a shame that I can almost guarantee the best <laughs> of us are not even playing this game, quote-unquote, whoever the world's best dungeon master is, is probably not playing Dungeons & Dragons, because they can't, because there's no such thing as a professional dungeon master yet for them to take advantage of. So if we want to know Hmm. who the best dungeon masters out there are, then we want professional dungeon masters. We don't want to be trying to compete and say, my volunteer DM is better than your professional dungeon master, so stop paying them immediately and start taking them for granted. It's like, that's not going to pan out very well in the long run and the biggest problem in the game right now in terms of getting people actively involved is people's access to dungeon masters i uniquely can attest to this because i see the demand out there and it's um it's steep there's a lot of demand for people to get into this game uh thanks to the media and thanks to things like stranger things and the community episode and stuff like this people are very interested in this game and I got my start in this because I was at a comic book shop and once a day I would hear somebody literally once a day saying Dungeons and Dragons always wanted to play that I guess I never will. There's a a bubble around D&D and there's an ocean of people who want to play this game and that right if we played our cards right we would much more than double the current fan base. This is a 
interesting and a little bit of a weird profession. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I, I want to give you like a very kind of standard nine to five career question. Sure. What what would you say your five year plan is for being a dungeon master? <laughs> So it has been a certain degree of if you would ask me even uh, eight months ago what my five-year plan, it was kind of like I've just hit the the goal that I was aiming for, and now I don't know what's next. I haven't thought past this point. This is as far as I've read in the adventure, to speak in a metaphor. So, like, this is as far as I had really considered. And so in the past really six months, what I have kind of been doing is sitting down with people and really hammering out details about what the next steps are. And I'm a little hesitant to discuss them just because I do now have a business partner and we Mm. are talking about where we are going to take this. And I think uh, safe to say that uh, the direction is after school programs. We are going to be looking to sit down and Mm. spread into other schools because I've been pretty clear that uh, most of the uh, the best paying gigs that I have are through schools and through uh, parents who are interested in their kids having access to an adult who is going to help walk them through this very complicated game that neither the parents nor the kids can, you know, really fully understand on their own. So uh, the after-school programs have been a, a big business point for me. And so that is currently what we, me and my business partner are looking to kind of expand into. Currently still getting set up right now, but we are eventually going to yeah. move into a proper business where we are bringing on you know, other dungeon masters who are going to run these after-school programs with us. So I knew I would always hit the point where I could only run so many games, not just physically, but they take a mental toll. I don't want to end up the guy who the first professional, and I'm not the first, that's an important thing, but one of the (laughs) first professional dungeon masters got found in a public restroom saying he's the Goblin King. Like, I don't want to be that guy. So I would rather (laughs) pace myself, be a reasonable person, not go crazy, and lose my mind and lose the ability to tell reality from fiction and instead just kind of pace myself, run a reasonable number of games a week. At the same time, I'm always wanting to run more D&D. That is why I got into this business was to turn the thing that I love into the, the thing that I do for my job as well. I hope that more people are going out there playing D&D. Mm-hmm. I hope that more people are finding a professional dungeon master. Thank you so much for being on the show. This was so much fun. No, thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure. Today's episode was produced by Handsome Matt Brown, and we'd also like to thank Matt Lebowitz for additional recording help. If you dig weird work, tell a friend of yours. I'm not saying to do it to the person standing next to you who's staring at you at this very moment while you're not looking, but I'm not saying you shouldn't. They could be your new best friend. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Weird Work and tell us who you think we should have on the show next by sending us an email to hello at weirdworkpodcast.com. As always, I'm Sam Balter, and stay weird, you beautiful undead trolls. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.